Second Samuel chapter five, verse 22. 2 Samuel chapter five and verse 22. We'll begin reading. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gezer. I'm gonna just bring a few brief points out of this. If you'll keep your Bibles open, let's just break it down into some segments that's easy to understand. Uh, you, You know, we all fight battles. Battles come in different ways. Battles come at different times. But we all have different battles that we fight. And uh, we need to always keep our eyes focused on the source of most of our battles. And I know you get tired of hearing me say this, but we need to be reminded of it. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. Now the enemy can use people and we can confuse the battle and try to take it out on people, but really our battle's not against people. Sometimes the most innocent and without even realizing that they are being used or an everyday event in their life has occurred that the enemy can use that in some way to make them appear like they are, they are the real enemy. But you've gotta know who the enemy is. You'll never find victory until you realize that you're, you're fighting the right one. You've got to fight the right one if you're going to win the battle. And I think that it's evident in this that battles come because our text starts out with the phrase, the Philistines came up yet again. Well, what does that mean? Well, verses 17 through 21, you'll read that they they had just fought a battle with this group of people. And David had conquered them by the help of the Lord. And you'd think that after the devil gets defeated, once and after he gets one thrashing or one beaten, that he would stay away but it doesn't work that way. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. And if you think that you're going to get to the place in this life where the devil leaves you alone, you're wrong. He's gonna continue to come back and gonna continue to fight. And when we make our mind up that yes, he's gonna keep coming, but God is greater than the enemy that we fight and God has given us the promise of victory. And if he just keeps coming back, all we're going to do is be more determined to serve the Lord and live for God and remind the devil that the battle is the Lord's and he's not going to win out. I was reminded this week once again of the words of an African pastor that he gave his life for the cause of Christ. He was going through severe persecution and the devil finally got him to the place 
that he thought you just might as well give up. There's no need to go on. Isn't it sad to see people almost at the end of their journey and give up? They no longer want to fight the good fight. They just want to give in to it and give up. And he felt that way. And he thought, I'm just going to give up. But something inside of him just kept stirring his heart and stirring more and more. So he wrote a letter and he pinned that letter down. When he died, they found the words that he had written. This is what it says. I'm part of a fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his and I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, praised or rewarded or popularity. I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, live by prayer, labor by the Holy Spirit power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road may be narrow, my way may be rough, my companions may be few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, and deterred, lured away turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, and let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes, and when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing me. I'm telling you, we need to make our mind up that we are going on with God no matter what we face. Praise God. Praise God. Notice too, verse 23, the prayer that he offered. And David inquired of the Lord. When the enemy comes and he comes again, the first thing you ought to do, you ought to seek God again. Never stop praying. Whatever it takes, pray and seek the Lord. So we see that the enemy returned. The Philistines returned. The prayer was offered. But then the preparation that was needed took place. Beginning again in verse 23. The first thing God said is fetch a compass. Now that word in the old English, even though that compass comes from that, you probably think of a navigational device, north, south, east, and west, but really the word compass means to go around or to encircle. So God says the first thing that you need is that you need the right plan. You've got to know where to go. And he said, don't let the devil feel like or the enemy feel like that he is encircling you. You just go around him and encircle him, cut him off of the pass. 
So he said the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get your directions right. And I'm glad that we have a way of being guided in this life. And God has a plan for us. And he guides us through his word. And he guides us by his spirit. And God says, don't worry. I'll send you the right direction. He knows what the devil's going to do before he ever does it. And God is able to send us to the perfect place at the perfect time. And he says, you surround the enemy. So he not only said, you need to fetch a compass, but he told them where to go. You have to be at the right place over against the mulberry tree. God has a place. God has a place for you. You've got to be where God wants you to be. You've got to find the place that God wants you and get there. If you don't know where God wants you, you need to ask God this morning, Lord, Where do you want me to be? I tell you the reason that it's so important is because when you fight the enemy, sometimes the only thing that'll keep you going is that you know you're where God put you. That's why knowing your call is so important. Knowing, you know, preachers that don't know they're called, they won't last very long. Because it'll be the call that will keep them going. When, when they're facing the enemy and they feel like giving up, it'll be the call that says, hey, I'm at the right place. I don't know about you, but I think I'm right where I ought to be this morning. I'm glad God has given us a place here today that we can come and worship him. You not only need to be at the right place and you need to have the right plan, but notice, you need to hear the right sound. In verse 24, when thou hearest the sound of the going in the tops of the mulberry trees. He said, when you hear that sound, there's no other sound like that. And when you hear that sound, you'll know that's the right sound. You know, there's times that you can hear things, and and I'm not always saying that it's with your ear. And I know it's a big controversy right now over whether God speaks or God doesn't speak. I believe God speaks because he said he speaks in his word. And if you told me you heard the audible voice of God, I wouldn't doubt you. Sometimes though I don't hear with this, but I hear with this. There's something inside me that I know that's what God is saying to do. And you know that it's the right thing to do. And you hear the right sound. On the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and the Holy Spirit made his ascension into this world to launch us into this wonderful age of the Spirit dispensation, they heard a mighty wind rushing. They heard the sound from heaven. Has there ever been times that you know the enemy's in front of you, but you hear a sound from heaven that says everything's going to be all right. I'm going to take care of all of it. If you hear the right sound, it'll keep you going. But then he also says, you've got to have the right attitude. Verse 24 is a word that you will not find anywhere else in your Bible except right here. It is the word bestir. He said, bestir thyself. Well, what is bestir? Well, it means to be alert, to decide, or to determine, or move. So he said, you've got to have the right attitude. I'm going to move when God says to move. I'm going to be watching out. I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be paying attention because when God says go, I've got to go. When God says move, I've got to move. Now, 
here's where the battle comes. Sometimes we like to blame our lack of movement on the fact that, that, you know, we don't hear anything, we don't know anything, but the truth of the matter is, we just have a bad attitude. You know, if you come in here with a bad attitude, do you know you can't worship God with a bad attitude? When your mind is full of stinking thinking, you're not gonna get anything done with God. When you've got the wrong attitude, you're not gonna see anything happen. And if you get the wrong attitude about what's going on around you, it will discourage you and the enemy will take advantage of that if you've got the wrong attitude. And the truth of the matter is, there's a lot of people today that because they've got the wrong attitude about all of this, then they, they decide at the spur of the moment what they're going to do and they let that overwhelm them. The truth of the matter is, God doesn't care. God doesn't care about this. Hear what I'm saying. God cares about you. God cares about your problem. But God doesn't care about your excuses. There's no justifiable excuse in not praising God. None whatsoever. Time change doesn't affect it. He's still God. It doesn't matter if there's snow outside, he's still God. It doesn't matter if I feel good or feel bad, he's still God. You say, well, preacher, if you feel bad, why are you praising God? Because I'm not gonna feel bad forever. God says uh, he's in control uh, and he can do all things. Uh, it is my attitude. And if you're not careful, if we let our attitude get on the lower plane of this living and this life, the devil knows how to control us. He'll know what to sin to keep you down. He'll know what to sin to keep you discouraged. Uh, but if you put your your mind and affections on high and you look up to Jesus and say he is God and I'm going there. Your attitude will elevate you into the presence of God. But if you're not with it, what do you mean by that? If you don't shake yourself and say, Lord, you gave me a warning. I've got to shake myself. I've got to bestir myself because the enemy's out there trying to do what he can to try to take every good thing that you give to me. Probably the best example of this is the brown pelican. The brown pelican it has a tremendous ability to catch fish, its vision is, is unbelievable. The water, from what I read, water actually becomes like a magnifying glass to a brown pelican. So it finds the right angle of the sun and the fish that is at a depth shallow enough for it to reach when it dives, they're magnified. So it is a tremendous fisherman. So the brown pelican finds the fish, locates the fish, has such precise timing that you know how quick fish move in water, but the brown pelican can dive at such an angle that the fish doesn't know that it's coming 
and can come down and just like that, catch the fish. But the brown pelican has a problem. Its throat is very limited on the size of fish that it can swallow. When it catches the fish, it catches the fish crossways in its beak. So it is across its mouth. The throat of the brown pelican, uh, it bit off more than it can chew. So it has something bigger than it can swallow, but it wants to swallow it to survive. Uh, it's kind of like sometimes in sermons, it's a bit hard to swallow. And what do you do with it? Well, God gave the brown pelican a wonderful instinct. When it catches the fish, it doesn't know what to do with it to swallow it, but by instinct, it will spit the fish out and throw it up. And the weight of the fish will come head first down, which now instead of being crossways, it's up and down. And it opens its mouth and whoop, down to the bottom of the belly. It can swallow it. But the brown pelican has an enemy. It's called the laughing seagull. You've heard them at the beach, probably didn't even realize it when you heard it. They sound like they're laughing and really why they're laughing, they have a reason to laugh. The laughing seagull is one of the laziest birds that there are. It doesn't like to fish, it likes for the brown pelican to fish for it. So while the brown pelican does all of the work, the laughing seagull wants all the reward. So what it does, it just, it doesn't watch for fish. It watches where brown pelicans are fishing. And when it sees the brown pelicans fishing, it waits because it realizes that that brown pelican cannot swallow what it caught. So when the brown pelican throws the fish up, it closes its eyes and opens its beak. And while the fish is in the air, the laughing seagull comes across and grabs the fish. Ah, 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 ah. That's why it's a laughing seagull, laughing at the brown pelican. You did all the work, I got all the reward. Do you know that's exactly how the devil operates? He has never done anything good for anybody. He's not gonna work for your good. He's not gonna work for you to be able to enjoy anything. All he's gonna do is let you do all of the work and then he's gonna snatch in at the last moment and try to take what God has given to you to sustain you and he'll fly away laughing at you. But the truth of the matter is, all you gotta do is look around and say, before I throw that up, I'm gonna look to see if the enemy's anywhere around because he can't have what God gave me. How do you do that? You shake yourself and say, God gave this to me and you can't have it. You bestir yourself. So he says, the Philistines returned, verse 22. The prayer was offered, verse 23. 
The preparation that was needed took place, verse 23 and 24. He's at the right place. He's got the right attitude. He's heard the right sound. He's got the right guidance. But then, verse 24, then the Lord shall go out before thee. The presence of God is assured. You know, you can do anything when God goes with you. Anything. If the Lord is with us, the impossible becomes possible. When the Lord is with us, our weakness becomes strength. When the Lord is with us, our mourning is turned into rejoicing. When the Lord is with us, he enables us to do what we cannot do by ourselves. But if God's not with you, don't go. If the Lord's not with you, it'll never work. You can try all you want to, but you've got to have the Lord with you. His presence has to be there. And then finally, the petition was granted. The last verse. David did so and the Lord, as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines. God said, you ask, I answered, and you won the victory. Some of you here today, I'm not about to tell you that in this service, if you come and pray at this moment in time, the victory will automatically come right now. But I can tell you this. If you'll come and ask God and get the right guidance, get in the right place, have the right attitude, you'll hear the sound that will say, I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. I don't know when my lost loved ones will get saved, but they're going to get saved. I don't know when that need will be met, but it's going to be met. I don't know when that healing will come, but it's going to come. I don't know when the help will be there, but it's going to come because the Lord will be with you.